Well, hello and welcome to Finding Our Way, our Southridge Church member podcast designed to give people the inside scoop on life in our church. Here's our host and lead pastor, Jeff Lockyer. Welcome back to another edition of Finding Our Way. Uh, Really excited to share with people from our church and our extended network, uh, a good friend of mine who is part of an amazing newer ministry uh, based here in Ontario, Canada called Jesus Collective. Want you all to meet Matt Miles. Matt, say hi to everybody. Hey, everybody. It's a real privilege to be here. And hey, Jeff. Um, Matt, thanks for being here. I wonder if you could kind of start things off, uh, sort of first things first, giving us a little bit of just your own background, uh, you know, family history, personal story, whatever. Yeah, well, actually, Jeff, I'm just starting to realize, I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm from where you are. I'm from your neck of the woods. Um, so I grew up in Niagara Falls, Ontario, as it, as it just so happens. I was born in the unspeakable north of Ontario, but moved to, uh, moved to Niagara at a very young age. So yeah, I grew up there. That's my, my parents still live there. Um, I went to school in, in Waterloo and then made my way to Toronto and I've lived in Toronto my adult life. And that's where I am right now. I have a, a beautiful wife, Fiona. Um, she's British. So I, I consider myself trilingual. I, <laughs> I grew up near the border in Canada. I can speak Western New York, if not American, and I married a Brit. So I've had to learn British, um, but yeah, we live in Toronto and I have a, an equally beautiful daughter, Jessica. So that's sort of my coordinates these days. That's fantastic. I did not know that you were Niagara kind of born that's and raised. Right. Good for you. Yeah. That explains the, uh, the kindred spirit. Um, do you want to talk at all just about your history with Southridge? How, how did you, in your version, how did we connect? Yeah, that's a good question, actually. I have admired Southridge from afar for, for many, many years. Um, and actually, I don't know if you knew this either, but I think it was probably, gosh, seven or eight years ago, I heard a podcast with this guy, Jeff Lockyer, on it. Um, someone had passed it to me. And, and this is actually a serious comment, Jeff, that I was just instantly just so encouraged and inspired by both you personally, but also I can't remember what the podcast was, but you were sharing something about life at Southridge in this church and, and your vision for it and, and practically how you were operationalizing Jesus centricity. Um, and, and then I think that spawned me just looking into Southridge a little bit more since then I've met mutual friends that are part of your community, uh, met Mike with you. Um, there's been a connection through the meeting house. Um, so it's kind of just one of those beautiful relationships that's just sort of grown organically. I can't really trace it back to a particular point of engagement. Um, but yeah, I just consider you and churches like yours, just close extended family out in the kingdom community. But I, uh, I hope to get even more, um, aware of what you guys are doing and engaged over time. Yeah, and just for our Southridge listeners, uh, you know, we're going to talk about this in a moment, but Matt has kind of come out of the ministry of the, the Meeting House, uh, a multi-site church across Ontario based out of Oakville, uh, just down the, the QEW, the, the, the highway that we often traverse. And uh, certainly the Meeting House has been a huge friend and influence to us. I mean, back in the day when Tim Day was a senior pastor, he was a personal mentor to me and so many other former and existing leaders who have been resources uh, for us. I know just before we hit record, you and I were chatting briefly about the Meeting House's new one-story kids curriculum 
that mm-hmm. we've implemented here at Southridge. And uh, just in recent months, Carrie Jones did a, a podcast with Natalie Frisk about the release and kind of the essence of that, that kids ministry curriculum. So I, I've heard us described as kissing cousins and uh, there, there certainly is a lot of kindred spirit uh, between Southridgers and meeting housers in this broader movement of what you would describe as a, a Jesus-centered movement, which is what we want to dive into today. So before we do, um, I want to start with your kind of local church kind of previous ministry experiences. Can you just describe that for us before you ended up with Jesus Collective? Yeah, so I grew up in the Anglican Church and really grateful for that background and upbringing. Our families can play such an influence in our our life, and I'm I'm certainly a beneficiary of that. Um, and it was when I was a young adult, Jeff, that you know, I moved to Toronto and really encountered Jesus in a fresh, in a very real way, and encountered this idea of placing him at the center of not just my faith from a belief and theology perspective, although that's important, and we'll probably talk about that today, but also just what it means to really center my life around him, and then increasingly my leadership, my understanding of what the church community is all about and how I engage with it and the world around this idea of Jesus centricity too. And so from a ministry perspective, I was actually working in the financial services industry for the first 15 years of my career. That's my background from an education standpoint is in business and economics. Um, But as I was going through this spiritual evolution and transformation as a young adult, that's when I began to really get involved in in lay leadership. So I've had the privilege of leading home churches, um, really passionate about local, contextualized, intimate, small group, life-on-life discipleship, walking with people towards Jesus together, Uh, have really been privileged to play uh, a servant leader role in that context for many years, and then also coaching and investing in other leaders um, who are leading in a small group or who are leading in a discipleship context. I also love music. Music ministry has been a a passion of mine um, since a young age, but especially more recently have gotten more heavily involved back back into music ministry uh, and musical worship. Um, So those would be just a a couple of highlights. There's different different opportunities I've had along the the way. But uh, in terms of my my personal ministry and engagement with the church, I'm I'm passionate about discipleship uh, and I'm passionate about um, leading others and developing other leaders who are passionate about developing um, discipleship in their communities too. Matt, when you talk about your your uh, kind of diverse and, and varied spiritual background, mm. where, like at what point or, or for what reason, where, where did your heart for the local church and like you said, that life on life ministry come from? Yeah, that's a good question, you know, because the easy answer is, well, it's just kind of the water I grew up in. So as a fish, you don't really <laughs> you don't really know what water is, do you? But then at some point, hopefully you have to you have to own why you feel the church is important. And, you know, interestingly, I think part of my answer to that, Jeff, is, you know, if any of your listeners have read Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis, I've always loved what he says in that book about, you know, and obviously I'm, I'm butchering with a paraphrase here, but. Say one is one of the enemy's goals is to convince us that we should be doing all this Christian stuff for any reason other than because it's true. <laughs> and I think that's a really powerful statement on why we do all this and where does our heart for the church come from. So 
quite frankly, for me, one of the first answers for that is because it's true. I believe that it's actually true. I believe that First uh, Timothy three fifteen, right? The church is the church is the pillar and the foundation of truth. Like, whoa, that's a that's a pretty big statement. It's a mm. it's a foundation that holds up the truth. It's not it's not Jesus in that sense necessarily, but it holds up the truth and it's the wineskin. It's the body of Christ manifested on earth. So I, that's where my heart for it comes from is that I think that's what, I think that's what Jesus intended the church to be. It's his, it's God's plan a for relational advancement of the kingdom in and amidst the kingdom of the world. And when I see it that way, it's like, okay, I've got a heart for that. I've got a heart for whatever God's plan a is to advance this kingdom of love. And from what I understand, that's this thing called the church, which is a body of believers. So I'm in. <laughs> yeah. Now, knowing in Canada, especially that that default assumption that this is God's plan A to expand his kingdom of love. That's not the experience of, I would say, the majority of Canadians these days. So for you, and this will segue into the transition for you into this parachurch ministry called Jesus Collective, like, why do you believe or even still believe that the church matters in our society today? Yeah, I great question. I think the church has something unique to offer at its best when we are centered on Jesus. And again, that's what we're talking about, right? The church has something to offer that that is unique. It offers it offers a way back. Okay, so now I'm just jumping right into a contextualized answer, which I think is what you're asking. It offers a way back um, for people on the margins. It offers a way back for people who have been othered. It offers a way back from cancel culture. I mean, these are these are real world realities that the kingdom of the world doesn't have answers for, and the church at its best does. It offers an unconditional brand of forgiveness and grace and mercy that you can't manufacture unless someone has modeled and given you a purpose to manufacture to, to do that and that's that's what it means to center on Jesus right it offers a place to be transformed individually and corporately that is again I think it's unique the, the concept of transformation and actually evolving to become the person that God designed us to be and conform to someone else's character in this case Jesus, that's, that's a unique value proposition that the church offers. Transformation. It's not just self-help. Uh, here's the tools to be better. No, we're talking about transforming and being reborn. That is profound when you actually believe and grasp that. Uh, and that's, that's the church's offer, right? I think it also, in a very relevant way, Jeff, it offers a deeper infusion of meaning and purpose, even to things that are really good and that the world cares about, like social justice. Doing social justice with Jesus at the center allows us to root it and anchor it in love and a different meaning and purpose than just doing social justice without Jesus. Um, that's something unique the church has to offer. Um, and I mean, ultimately, the church is offering an alternate politic, right? And an alternate um an alternate kingdom amidst the kingdom of the world, fueled by this radical concept of, of love. I, I don't think that's ever going to grow old. When we do that at our best, that's something unique that the world is desperate for. And lo and behold, what Jesus offers is exactly what people ultimately need. 
it's so interesting listening to your your kind of default assumptions of what the church is that make it matter in society. You're not viewing the church as a building or an event or a no. program or a place you go or because in that in that regard, you know, then when you translate into some of the characteristics that Christians are more known for, hypocrisy, judgmentalism, you know, anti-gay, exclusive, oppressive, whatever, um, you can easily see irrelevance. But when you describe this incarnate love, this Jesus with skin on, and when you describe this transformational crucible where people can experience and become more of that every day, well, I mean, that's 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 a no-brainer. That's compelling to anybody. So it, it's it's just so funny how even without maybe understanding or even articulating it, your default assumptions about what the church even is play into your optimism and hope that the church is still, if not more than ever, uh, relevant for today. It's interesting. And when you when uh, you're onto that, what we're talking about. Now, all of a sudden, because you define the church as the body of Christ that does these things we're talking about, now, like you're saying, when it comes to buildings and programs and manifestations of the church, you're so much more open to be flexible and led by where God is moving rather than preserving the wineskin that we've all mistakenly thought was the church. <laughs> um, so I'm sure we could talk a whole lot more about that, but what you're saying really resonates. Yeah, it starts, yeah, with, yeah. It starts with an assumption about what the church actually is in the first place, right? Yeah. Hey, let's talk then about this Jesus Collective. So, you know, you're involved in some local church ministry. All of a sudden, this ministry births that is kind of an extension of your church and even your, your denominational efforts. So just describe for us, if we've never heard of it before, what exactly is Jesus Collective and, and kind of what's the, the genesis? What's the, the story of how it came to be? Yeah, well, I think that's the right place to start is... In order to define Jesus Collective, the only way to do that properly in my mind is to zoom out and define it in the context of a broader movement that God is raising up. And I'm convinced this isn't just fancy poetry. This is me just putting words to what God is already doing. He's raising up a movement, and he's always doing new things. But in our cultural moment, i.e. the walls of Christendom crumbling down around us, and in various parts of the world, you probably could argue in Canada, they've been crumbled for a while. In other places, there's still people preserving what is a, a continual crumbling process. <laughs> you know, he's raising up a movement out of that rubble of churches and leaders and just beautiful people that are hungry for Jesus. And what that means is they're waking up to the reality of what it actually, like italics underline, means to put him at the center of their theology and faith, but so much more than that, at the center of their life, at the center of their church, like building their church around the concept of placing Jesus at the center, building their leadership or other organizations and ministries around, around Jesus. And what's happening, Jeff, is these people, some of whom are leaving other paradigms and feeling now really vulnerable and isolated and on their own because they can't turn back once you place your GPS on Jesus, you can't, he, he's like that, right? You can't go back. You can't escape that gravity. So now they're sold. Um, others have been on this journey for a while, but they're still looking for more friends to do it with. That's, that's the story of how this started. It's us just hearing from so many of these leaders and churches and people saying, 
I'm from one place or another, you know, one of these people that's hungry to now practice putting Jesus at the center, but I need community. I want to find others. Are there others like me? Am I crazy? Um, so I want community. I want belonging. I want to share this experience with peers. But more than that, I need language. I need equipment, resources, tools. I need support, help um, to move my own leadership, to move my church in the direction of centering on Jesus, because it, it has to manifest somewhere in change and transformation if it's actually accomplishing anything. Um, and I don't have those resources or tools or know how to do that or language to do that. And by the way, I do have some gifts, though, that I want to contribute to. So, so where can we do all this together? And Jesus Collective, quite frankly, is one of what I hope are many, many, many places where answers to those questions are being offered. A space where there is community, uniting people and leaders and churches that want to place Jesus at the center um, and building relationship around that identity, not around a task. Um, so that's one thing we are. We're a place for that unity, a place where people can be equipped. So there's mission here, Jeff. We're, we're talking very practically about being a place that offers formation and development experiences that equip leaders to be leaders for the church of today and tomorrow, not the church of yesterday, in an increasingly post-Christian context that is exciting for Christians, but it's scary. And it requires different training, different resources, different development, and it requires formation around a Jesus-centered um, theology and philosophy and ethic. So we offer very practical formation and development and resources. We're curating resources from churches and leaders so that we can share them better across this kingdom movement using technology really well. Because once people get onto Jesus centricity, they start to ask, where can I go for stuff that I can actually use for my own development and for my church to transform my church so we can transform our community. And, and the last thing we say we, we're about is amplification. So we're about uniting, equipping, and amplifying this Jesus centered movement. Amplification just is like, you know, the Jesus way is like fresh water for parched throats, right? So we're trying to give, we're trying to give language and resources that help people get this out there to multiply the kingdom in their local context and communities. Um, and so, you know, so on one level, that's, that's who we are. We're a network within this broader movement that's trying to accomplish those things. On another level, we're an experiment We're you know, we're an experiment that anticipates that the world will become an increasingly increasingly focused on relationships and the church needs more wineskins that are focused on relationships as places for churches and leaders to congregate and share as peers where relationship is the currency places that are ecumenical but centered set and sharing identity and and that's another answer to your question on a different level is that's also what we are we're an experiment in a new wineskin of how to bring churches and leaders together in peer-to-peer -to -peer community to be on mission to advance the kingdom in a way that has a different power dynamic it's not bureaucratic um, and we're not looking to control the operations of churches. We're trying to fuel and support and be wind at their backs. So there's multiple different ways I could answer that question, but that's a bit of a starter. Oh, that's more than a starter. And, and certainly the, the vision and what, what Jesus Collective has been becoming was what captivated a number of us people and leaders at Southridge to kind of tap in. And then one thing led to another, and that's really where, where you and I and, and, uh, kind of both of our communities really started to get get connected. Um, what, one of the terms you used, and you've used it a bunch of times already, so I, I need to kind of dial back here, that really is the galvanizing force among everything that Jesus Collective is about, is this posture 
and this faith construct you referred to as as an ethic called Jesus centeredness. Can you just give us the the summary of like what exactly do you mean? Because I think every Christian probably assumes they're Jesus centered. What does Jesus centeredness mean? And related to that, you use the language of centered set. Can you just clarify those terms? Yeah, let's talk about that. I mean, we could do a whole podcast series on this question, but I love Seriously, that yeah. you're asking it. Yeah. Um, I mean, hey, we could build a network around this whole question and spend our entire lives figuring it out. Oh, hey, wait, that's what we're doing. Um, but yeah, let's talk about that. You know what's interesting, Jeff? Off the bat, I will both agree and challenge both of us, including myself, on your statement around don't every Christ, doesn't every Christian say that, that they're Jesus-centered? Yeah, maybe. But actually, if you look closely, what do we see? We see a lot of 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 Christians, a lot of organizations, a lot of Christian institutions actually saying things like we're centered on what? We're centered on the Bible or we're centered on justice, et cetera. So even these really beautiful things that we love and care about deeply can become our center. And actually there's a lot of Christians who would use language like I'm Bible centered or I'm gospel centered. That's a fascinating one we could talk about. But we start with Jesus. And what we mean by that, Jeff, is I like to break it down this way. The first thing Jesus centricity means is God looks like Jesus. It means we take Jesus at his word in John 12, 45, when he says, when you're looking at me, you are actually seeing the one who sent me. <laughs> and of course, other scriptural references that affirm that Jesus is the exact representation of the father. He is God in the flesh, God in a bod, right? That's Jesus. And why does that matter? It matters because our conception of God starts a trajectory of our own life in a way that that belief, what we think God looks like, is probably, I would argue, the most important thing we believe ever, anywhere. Um, so that's where we start. We say Jesus interesting means God looks like Jesus, and it brings the Trinity into focus because it means that the Spirit is blowing us towards Jesus, and when we look at Jesus, we see the Father. It brings the Trinity into harmony and respects it for what it is, and it respects the Bible's role. That's the next part. Being Jesus-centered means we interpret Scripture through the lens of Jesus. So we love Scripture. We believe Scripture is what it says about itself. It's inspired. It's useful. For what purpose, though? To point us to Jesus. And again, that's just Jesus' words. He's saying, guys, you think that you've got the word of life via scripture, but you're missing the point. The whole reason that it's important and beautiful and awesome and inspired and useful is because it points you to me. And if, if you don't see that and you're not getting that, you actually don't have the word of life. That's powerful coming from Jesus himself. So we believe that about scripture, that when you put Jesus as a center point of scripture, now everything is filtered through that lens. And now you're living a new covenant life interpreted through the lens of Jesus that brings a whole new meaning to the old covenant and to everything else in scripture. And it's just as useful, but to point us to Jesus. So again, we could talk for a whole podcast on that, but that would be the second pillar of what we mean by Jesus centricity. So we, it means it shapes our conception of God because he looks like Jesus. It means it shapes our interpretation of scripture, which is always through the lens of Jesus. And then here's the key, right? If we stop there, we'd just be talking about true stuff, but theology that doesn't necessarily impact our life yet. So here's the, that's the third part is it, it means the way we live 
is centered around Jesus. It means that our conception of ourselves is that we're valuable, which is what Jesus said we were through his parables of the lost coin and the lost sheep. It reinforces a Genesis 1 understanding of who humanity is. We're made in God's image, but we're broken image bearers. That's an important starting point. And that influences our conception of others because it means you are too, Jeff, and so is my neighbor. We're made in God's image. It it impacts our ethics. It impacts the way we engage with power. So the new covenant is a law of love. And the peace teaching of Jesus becomes central to our life, where the law of love doesn't just extend to our friends, quote unquote, it extends to our enemies. Um, it means that we're living a life where it's always power under, not over. It's always invitation, not coercion. It's always sacrifice, not preservation. So these things start to impact our day-to-day -day life, our relationships. It means we're living in a kingdom, as we talked about before, that is set apart from the kingdom of the world. Um, so, so all these things start to shape not just our belief system, but the way we're actually living. And ultimately what it means too is, you know, with this kingdom ambassadorship identity, we, we can tolerate diversity and we can move beyond that to actually embrace and welcome it because our identity is rooted in Jesus as citizens of his kingdom. And so that is a fundamental game changer too, in terms of how it changes our life and how we, how we live in community together. Um, so it's our conception of God, our interpretation of scripture, and ultimately the way we live all changes when we're, we're Jesus-centered. That's what we mean by Jesus-centered. Hmm. And I hope listeners are, are compelled by that. I, I feel like Jesus Collective seeks to minister to encourage resource and support this journey really at two levels you know when you when you when you're thinking of these these pillars that number one god looks like jesus number two the bible the scriptures points to jesus and therefore number three life is about becoming like jesus pursuing his likeness experiencing his activity in your life there's on the one hand the application to churches and to church leaders to operationalize this Jesus-centeredness. Comment just a little bit on what a Jesus-centered shift in approach means for the churches that you're serving and how churches are, are seeking to become more Jesus-centered in that way. Yeah, and you mentioned before the term centered set, which I think is key to unpack just briefly in that question. You know, when we're centered on Jesus, it means that, as I was trying to say, we can actually coexist in communities where, believe it or not, we don't all necessarily believe the same thing or are on the same point in our journey. And why is that possible? It's possible because we're all pointed to the same center and that center is Jesus. And along the way, as we move closer and closer to him, we can learn from, we can listen to, we can love one another and appreciate each other's differences because our identity is rooted and secure in what's at the center of our community. And that's very, very different than most people's experience in a church community, which we might refer to as bounded set, meaning we set up a fence around our community that usually consists of a system of beliefs and behaviors. And we spend our time policing that fence and deciding, are you in or are you out? Do you look and behave and believe like the people on the inside? If so, come on in. And if not, stay on the outside of the fence. And at best, evangelism becomes this exercise in trying to get people in the fence. And once they're in, discipleship and movement towards a center is not really the name of the game. It's stay inside the fence, right? And so 
that's a that's a concept that's at the core of Jesus Collective is being a centered set community with Jesus at the center. And now to get to your question, so how does that change the way church is done, the way church community is is set up? Well, it means a whole bunch of things, right? It means now you're inviting people on a journey to know and become more like Jesus with our identity rooted and secure in him, not just to stay on the right side of a fence. It means now discipleship is about that journey rather than coercing people to believe something or just behave a certain way. Um, It means you're not standing on a house of cards theology that's blown down when something like your literal understanding of creationism is challenged, right? So you're not threatened by a diversity of thought and perspective. You're freed to learn from others and create welcoming space for others without having to weaken your own convictions. In fact, a Jesus-centered church should put even more energy into studying and discerning and understanding who Jesus is because he's the anchor of that church. So that's what that Jesus-centered church will start doing, right? And then as it relates to, you know, programs and systems, you know, discipleship will look different in a Jesus-centered church because of what I just said. I think it will start to become a process of moving towards Jesus together versus feeding people beliefs um, and kind of converting and coercing people to actually come onto the right side of the fence. It will mean, Jeff, I think the practice of inclusion will be transformed. Jesus-centered churches will be radically welcoming because they're not we're not threatened anymore by, are you on the right side of the fence or not? So we can include our brothers and sisters with all different perspectives, inviting them on a journey towards Jesus and being confident that he'll do what he says he would do. He'll transform us all through the power of the spirit as we walk on that journey. Um, so, so that'll change in a Jesus-centered church. I think very practically programs and systems that are influenced by peacemaking and enemy love will change in a Jesus-centered church because we'll be devoting ourselves to being active agents of peace and transformation in our communities like you are at Southridge. Just high fives to everyone who's listening, who's listening to the example you're setting for what it looks like to live this out and engage and be peacemakers in your communities. That is will be a hallmark of a Jesus-centered church. And I think, of course, theology will be different too. Like, we shouldn't be afraid to say theology matters. And I think Jesus-centered churches will teach differently. They will talk differently. They will welcome questions. They will embrace doubts because they're not insecure when they're rooted in Jesus. They will study the Bible differently. They will, they'll just do God differently. Um, and that will, of course, in a kind of circle of beautiful um, reciprocating impact, that'll impact all the other things I just said about what it means to be Jesus-centered. So I don't know. Those, those are some of the things that come to my mind when you ask sort of what is a Jesus-centered church going to look like or how is it going to change? Yeah, the, the point being for church leaders listening that a local church, an operationalized community and ministry changes drastically as you seek to increasingly become Jesus-centered. There's a tremendous mm-hmm. amount of change because as you said before, Matt, this is a transformational work of Jesus among his people. The, 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 the other aspect of this, though, and this is really the final question I want to kind of tap into, is just at the personal level, for garden variety followers of Jesus, let alone leaders of churches who, whether we know this or not, are also hopefully followers yeah. of Jesus, oh, at, at a yeah. personal level, um, there's probably even more transformation that needs to take place. And I've often heard the, the phrase, it's, it's kind of a growing theme in Christendom these days, at least in our parts, uh, described as deconstruction. Talk about how Jesus, uh, uh, Jesus Collective 
kind of supporting and, and nurturing this growth towards Jesus-centeredness actually will help come alongside people in these seasons of deconstruction to move towards Jesus instead of away from him. Yeah, that's a hot word right now, isn't it? And I don't, I just, I don't really think it needs to be as controversial as it seems to be. I mean, me neither. You know, yeah, isn't that fascinating? Like, the deconstruction, sanctification, is- sanctification is, and and the ongoing transformation. I've heard described as being born again, again, and again. Like, yeah. you're always deconstructing and shedding, and uh, but for precisely some reason, right, yeah. Isn't it fascinating that we get scared of this word that, as you're so well articulating, is actually supposed to be kind of an inherent part of our journey? That we're, we're, we're constantly being, we are made new, and we're constantly being made new. And if we ever thought this was about putting a ring fence around a static understanding of God and ourselves and reality, and then preserving that and shaming anyone who starts asking questions or wanting to grow more like Jesus. Oh my gosh, have we got it wrong? So, so first of all, let's just not be controversial about that. I mean, Hebrews 12, 27 too, right? Highlights whatever can be shaken is going to be shaken. And what's going to remain is what can't be shaken. That's a great anchor point when we're talking about deconstruction. Um, So anyways, you know, I think to maybe get to the point of your question, I think when you look at what's happening in society, the things that we're dealing with corporately and individually are real. Things like power, right? Which is at the power dynamics, at the root of conversations around social justice and inclusion. Identity, right? You look at hyper-individualism, busyness, sexuality. We're all looking for a secure identity and belonging. Um, Peace, we all have this craving for, will it just stop? How do we make peace? on a macro level, but in our day-to-day lives, freedom, right? So you and I are talking at a moment where that word is, is very alive in our cultural context. What are we wanting to be free from? You know, Jesus offers us freedom from bondage to our need to be right and our obsession with ourselves, right? Um, anxiety and loneliness. I was on the phone just this morning with someone recounting stats, even just among young, young adults, let alone the rest of us, um, how much, how much we're facing, mental health issues in and among our families and our communities. So what I'm doing here, Jeff, is I'm just listing things that are, that are real in people's lives as this deconstruction quote unquote happens. I think what people are hopefully going to see, um, at least this is our, this is what we, this is our work, right? Is that as they deconstruct from their previous understanding of who God was and, and how Christianity was supposed to work, they're going to see that these, these things that are front and center as issues in their personal and in our corporate lives are things that the gospel speaks to, are things that Jesus cares about, are things that fit like a puzzle piece with, with what he offers. And so I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged that as the walls crumble on our Christendom faith, what the world needs right now is met perfectly by what Jesus and a Jesus-centered gospel has to offer. And so I'm inspired by a constant state of deconstruction, quote unquote, if it's leading us to putting Jesus at the center. I think that's exactly what we need. Hmm. Gang, I hope that members of Southridge and and other churches and leaders from local churches and ministries uh, across our village who are listening are, are inspired by this. And I hope that you'll want to lean in more to the ministry of Jesus Collective to help inspire Jesus-centeredness in our followership and 
operationalize a greater degree of Jesus-centeredness in our ministries and in our leadership. Um, Matt, talk a little bit. I know you've got an event coming up called Unite. Um, just how can people find Jesus Collective, either your website, social, whatever? Yeah, you bet. Yeah, you can head to jesuscollective.com to learn more about us. You can find us on social at Jesus Collective, Twitter and Instagram primarily. Um, and yeah, Unite 22 is going to be fantastic. We're holding it in Oakville, Ontario. Um, everyone's welcome. It's going to be it's going to be a great global gathering centered around this question of what is a Jesus-centered gospel and how does it speak to our cultural moment, like I just referenced, around power dynamics, around identity, around peacemaking and navigating polarity, around engaging the secular age. So we're, we're trying to create a relevant communal journey together over two days where we really dig into that together and have some fun, meet some people, um, and just celebrate together. So, yeah, we'd love to see lots of people there. You can go to jesuscollective.com slash unite to learn more about that one in May. Fantastic. Thanks so much for being here, Matt. Really appreciate this. I know that, like you said, we could have a whole podcast on Jesus-centeredness, or there actually is a whole ministry designed now to <laughs> foster and encourage this. So I would encourage everyone, members listening and leaders, uh, check out Jesus Collective at jesuscollective.com and join in uh, with this movement that, that Jesus is up to out of Ontario and really now all around the world. Um, for all of you who track with us, thanks for being here today. Uh, we'll see you in seven days as we continue finding our way together. Take care, everybody.